Okay, so Taylor, welcome back to another episode of Sturgeon Outdoors. Today as a guest, we have Harry Sickler, who is an avid outdoorsman and also big time hunter. So today we're going to talk to him a little bit about what he does during the off season, what he's doing right now that's kind of going to help him during actual hunting season. And I think it's just going to be a great conversation. I think so too, but I'm going to start it off with, um, are you a better hunter than Nolan is? Because he shot at a deer this year and missed. Um, I just need to know before we go through if you're better than he is. I don't know if I'm better. I might be more experienced as I'm up there in years compared to what he is. But like 845, opening day of uh, New York uh, firearm season, I sent him a text. Three letters, B-B-D. And he responded being buck or bear because he knew what the B meant was big buck down. He didn't know if it meant big bear down or big buck down. But yeah, it was big buck. So it was a good good opening day this year in New York. We had a, a lot of a uh, great time. Shot a really solid, I think it was four and a half year old 10 point. Uh, did a little uh, pre-scouting for that. Uh, that me and Nolan did earlier in the year. Uh, working on a stand placement for that. So yeah, it was a great time. And uh, the deer Nolan shot at, it was aggressive. It was a little distance out there, I would say. And, uh, but hey, he uh, shot at the deer. I went there and helped him track it. Uh, shot, seen his stand, seen the sapling he smoked halfway between that and the deer's uh, tracks in the snow that uh, he was on. And uh, yeah, clean miss. That's, that's solid, but it's, uh, it was a good time. I was making a little push to him when he shot at that deer. Not that the uh, deer did had anything to do with me as they came out the complete opposite direction, but yeah, it was a good time. Good time. Good, great opening weekend. So we brought it to you. Uh, oh, we brought this episode for scouting during the winter time. I know we talked beforehand that you were actually out there today. Uh, yeah. scouting, going around, doing a whole bunch of stuff. Could you like kind of go through what, what'd you do today? Well, uh, primarily what, what we're referring to is like uh deer scouting. It, and that's something that, you know, as an avid, uh, hunter, uh, literally been hunting my whole entire life uh was out in the woods with my parents long before i could like carry a gun i did at an early age anyways but uh uh you know so i you know something i've been doing my my whole entire life but on uh what we're referring to is primarily whitetail deer hunting you know here in you know currently i'm in ohio uh hunted you know, numerous states, primarily I'm hunting currently uh, New York State, Western New York State, and uh, Southern Ohio. But deer hunting for me is 12 months a year. And it's not something that, uh, you know, hey, gun opener is late November, let's get ready the day before and jump out in the tree stand and ground blind and hope for the best. It's, uh, it's much more of a passion for me. So, you know, I primarily scout 12 months a year and, you know, referring to what I did earlier today, 
is, you know, my uh, uh, wife's family has property. You know, her mom has about 60 acres over in Athens County. Uh, and it's uh, all fenced in where they used to run sheep and goats years in years past. But they have a perimeter fencing that is really good. And what happened is they had a giant poplar tree from the neighbor uh, fell over and crushed a border fence. So I've been over there cutting that tree out of the fence and uh, jacking the fence back up to where it was, you know, just for a line fence. But the adjoining property where that uh, tree came across is a cornfield. So deer love corn. I mean, it is a primary uh, good food source for them in the fall. Uh, they eat it when it's uh, still growing on a stalk. Uh, after it's been, uh, pro- you know, uh, uh, you know, harvested, there's a lot of waste grain on the ground. So the deer will continue to eat that, you know, all winter long, as long as there's something out there for them to eat. But where I was today is, yeah, I'm, I'm, I cleaned up the tree, but, you know, it's also a property I, I've shot several nice deer on in the past. So it's like, all right. The main thing about scouting this time of year that I like so well is there's no leaves on the trees. It looks exactly now like it did in November when uh, deer season is going on, where there's this is what the train looks like. So if you're out there this time of year, you can really look, you know, hey, where's the trails going? Where's the spots where a tree stand? Where are the deer concentrating their their movement? And from what I noticed today while walking around, taking a break from sawing that tree out, was there's a, a couple spots, you know, right next to where the tree fell over, there's low spots in that fence. And the low spots of the fence is where the deer are crossing to get into the cornfield. But what the property I was on uh, has a lot of open timber, some like side hills, but they also have some bottom land, which is very brushy, very much uh, pricker bush, uh, honeysuckle, a lot of like low vegetation clutter, which the deer thrive in. And they use that as a travel corridor. So when I'm looking at the open timber, I'm like, well, there's a couple split uh, stem oak trees, which I like to put climbing uh, like uh, ladder stands in a tree that's split because adds you more cover for the stand. And that was right on the edge of that open timber, but overlooking that uh, that bottom uh, thicket where the travel corridor. And it also corresponded to the low spot in the fence and the trails. I should have took a picture for you earlier today when I was there, the trails are beat down, big tracks, uh, constant, a, a little bit of a white hair on the top of the barbed wire fence where they're crossing. You sometimes hit their belly on it when they jump over top of the fence and uh, major, major, major travel corridors. So when I'm doing this, tree and I'm looking at these trails then I look at the trails and I look back up in the open timber and I'm like there it is 
a fantastic tree, not 25 yards away from this crossing. It literally has four or five different trails coming together where the deer like to cross that trail. And I'm like, bam, there it is. If you want to put a, a trail there, you know, a stand overlooking them trails, there's the tree for it. And as part of the off-season scouting, it's like, I have not literally hunted this property in several years. And I always hunted the upper part of the ridgeline that this is on. It's the bottom of the ridgeline. But when I go back, if I have a stand right there, the prevailing winds out of the southwest, winds are in my face, easy access to get into the spot, bam, there it is. I mean, just ideal just by uh, what the adjoining property with the cornfield's been there for years. You know, the natural uh, travel corridor for the deer, fantastic spot for a stand. Now, are, would you go straight from, uh, you know, scouting out to putting a stand up there, or would you run cameras for a few years, kind of like check it out, see what's really happening Well, before you uh, actually throw the stand up? Well, in area like this, I have some reality with it because I've hunted it in the past. Uh, a spot like this is knowing the train, you walk through the open field behind the house. You walk through open timber. And the bottom of that open timber is where that uh, travel corridor funnel is because that's where the lower vegetation is, the pricker bushes, the honeysuckle, etc. So the deer are more comfortable with it. So ideally, I would have a camera there to do some uh just double checking but a spot like that it just it 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 clicks you know it's there you know it's there but uh getting with trail cameras uh i generally run six to eight cameras a year on our properties that we hunt here in southern ohio uh just started getting into a, a good friend of mine started doing the uh you know, the cell cam pictures where they send them automatically to your phone. When they take the picture, we just started doing that in the last couple of years. That's a fantastic aspect of it. But, uh, you know, I'm running cameras now. I mean, a week and a half ago, you know, coming uh, up the road in front of my house, you know, right 20 yards off the road at 5.15 in the afternoon, there's a nine point, probably a four and a half year old deer, mid 130s. I'm like, holy cow. I mean, I don't know if I recognize you, but he had his, his mass was all the way up through his time. So, you know, it's an older age class deer. Right. And I got back to the house in the next couple of days. I go through, I mean, hundreds of pictures, just trying to see mm-hmm. if I recognize this deer. And I'm like, I don't recognize him. And this deer is not, I mean, he's close. I mean, I should have them yeah. on film, but I don't. But, you know, the thing is, we run cameras till, I mean, I have a couple up now still. I'll probably pull them here in the next week or so. Because, you know, the, deers in, the deer in southern Ohio, I mean, a lot of them are still holding antlers mid-February, late February. I mean, the latest I've had deer on camera is March 24th. Uh, uh, as far oh. as antlers, it has a four-point. Uh, that was several years ago, but it's like these things, these deer here hold antlers a lot longer than people anticipate. Mm-hmm. So what, 
a good thing about running cameras this time of year is you get an inventory of like what I call who made it, who's left, who right. we had pictures of in September, October, November, rut after gun season, after muzzleloader season, after late archery season, what deer made it. Right. So you have a better idea what's coming on available this fall. Hey, is that a three-year-old eight that made it three and a half year old? You know, we, we do a lot of age class, you know, instead of saying, Hey, it's a four point, it's an eight point, it's a 10 point. Uh, I try to get a better understanding of the age of the deer. Is it a two year old, three year old, four year old, you know? So this time of year, Hey, a three and a half year old buck made it. I have pictures of him in February. He's going to be a stellar deer come this fall as a four and a half year old. That's something to really keep an eye out for. Right. And that's a huge aspect of what I uh, do in scouting, you know, this time of year. Mm-hmm. So. so a lot of it's just trying to inventory the deer, see which ones made it. And then kind of, uh, do you do anything else with the information? Like uh, well, that you get from the cameras at this point. Well, uh, a, a lot of it w- with the cameras at this point is is pure inventory. Mm-hmm. Uh, here in Ohio, where I'm at, we're able to use mineral licks. Mm-hmm. So I have several established mineral licks uh, throughout the properties. And this time of year, it's really good to have the cameras on the minerals. You'll have a really good idea what of uh, a lot of the deer are going back and using mineral. Now they use mineral 12 months a year, but they use it sporadically in more concentration throughout the years. Say this time of year, they use it a lot. They use it a little bit. Get into it in the fall very much later on in the fall. They do again. So they go in cycles on how often they use it. Uh, those use it for like milk and they're young deer use it for uh, bucks use it for antler growth. So uh, it's a very important aspect of it. So this time of year, I have cameras on mineral because that's where you're going to get your bigger concentration of pictures of, you know, what's out there in your herd. And, uh, so it's, it's a good aspect of like basically with cameras this time of year is purely just due to inventory. Like who made it? Okay. What's around? You know, are the does, you know, uh, did both the fawns make it? There's no fawns with the doe. I mean, what's your, what's right. your doe fawn ratio? What's your buck ratio compared to your doe fawn ratio? And just trying to really get an inventory of uh, the deer that are out there. Okay. Do you do that up in like New York too, or do you do it just down there? Sadly, no. I wish I did it in New York. I I just do not have the time. Well, uh, Nolan and I were talking before, and he doesn't use um he doesn't use any um deer cam. So I was just wondering. I did actually get one trail cam for Christmas. So I'm gonna be posting that up here probably summertime. I think it's a little late to actually start right now, but I'm thinking probably like beginning of summer, midsummer. I'll probably throw it up there. Really start trying to get a good, um, good view on seeing where these deer are actually moving through, and who's actually moving around. So I think that'd be nice. 
Yeah, because like this time of year, I, I'm pulling cameras. I only have like a couple out still, and I will not put them back out till probably late June or July or maybe even into August because there's a you know several month time period. Well, hey, the Bucks have lost their antlers. You know, you get a lot of pictures of does and fawns, and or you might start getting pictures in like late April or into May where there's bucks are just starting, but you're not learning a whole lot of info. So mm-hmm. there's several months of the year I don't run cameras, but uh, now, you know, now is like the end of the time period for, for me. Okay. Nice. So with scouting in the winter, do you think snow is an advantage? to being able to see where the deer are actually moving? Well, it's, uh, it, it very well can be. I mean, obviously tracks in the snow are very uh, easy to see, easy to judge, easy to, you know, see what's going on with the base concentration is. But for the most part, in the winter time, everything's going to be related to the food source. I mean, mm-hmm. what are the deer eating? Mm-hmm. Uh, Western New York, are they, is there any acorns left they're digging for? They just eating primary browse. Are they uh, going to the lower flatlands for the corn or agriculture crops of any kind or the hay fields? I mean, you know, that stuff helps, but uh, that's, you know, the, the deer this time of year is based on a food source. Mm-hmm. You know, here in Ohio, the primary food source where I'm at, because I'm on timber uh, company property, that we leased and I owned a lot of the joining property as well, that we have no agriculture. There's, there's a lot of corn, a lot of soybeans, a lot of winter wheat in, in the surrounding area, a couple miles away, but we have none of that. What we have is timberland and clear cuts and more clear cuts. And the clear cuts are 15 year old clear cuts, 10 year old clear cuts, five year old clear cuts. And that just depends how big the, the, the trees that are coming up for it through it. But with along with that, what we have is Japanese honeysuckle, which is the primary food source for the properties I'm on. And here, that's because the leaves stay green all year long. So the deer really want that green, green vegetation, you know, because January, February, March, even December, they there isn't much else there that's green that they can eat. And uh, this time of year, a lot of the deer uh, feeding activity is going to be in the honeysuckle. So to get a good aspect of your, uh, if you want to run cameras that are not on to say a mineral block, is to have it on a, a good trail corridor in a middle mixed of a honeysuckle. You also get some very good uh, cameras and pictures like that as well. We There's a thing called, it's very actively known as shed hunting, which is shed antlers. Where the deer not actual you know, sheds, not like sheds in your yard, uh, not wooden sheds. There's a shed in my friend's yard. Does that count? <laughs> oh, it, I, I was out in the the boat. Uh, what we what I call the boat shed slash man cave. Yeah, I can show you. You know, a hundred plus sheds from deers. What they call a shed antler. Uh, so this time of year, I mean. Winter time is cold, it's snowy, it's freezing out. You don't want to do a whole lot of anything outside. 
But when, once it comes into like late February, March, the weather gets really nice. Heck, it was 66 here today, I think. So to do a little hike through the woods uh, to do your scouting is uh, another off-season trick. It is, is look for shed deer antlers. And like I mentioned briefly earlier, you know, the main food source here in Ohio is where I'm at. My, my properties I have is Japanese honeysuckle, the invasive species, deer love it, woodland odors not as much, but, uh, you know, if you walk through them areas or the edges of them areas this time of year, follow the deer trails, oftentimes you can run across uh, an antler that the deer, you know, shed, uh, you know, from the winter. So, you know, hey, this is a nice, nice antler I found here. Uh, he'll be a, a nice looking deer this fall. And it's another good way of doing get an inventory that you might have cameras in that area or might not have them on a camera to see, uh, you know, what deer made it. You know, they're, they're not easy to find. You know, I only find three, four, five a year uh, on a good year. But uh, it's a good way of doing, hey, this really nice looked like a three or four year old deer shed his antler. If he's alive this, you know, in March, February range, you know, there's no winter kill for the, to worry about as long as he gets away from the coyotes and the cars, good chance he's going to be here this fall. And it's a, a good idea. It's a good way of seeing what deer are out there as well. It's great for exercise, clears your mind. You walk through, you look around, uh, you look at your deer trails. Uh, you know, one thing about winter time is whether there's snow or not, it's rain or it's snow, it's always wet. So the deer making their trails through the woods are very, very, very obvious, very beat down. If you find some nice trails, they have some super huge long tracks on them. Could be does, more than likely they're a buck. Uh, follow trails back and forth and uh get it close to a food source you might uh, stumble across a nice antler and uh it's uh it's enjoyable it's fun it's exciting when you actually find one uh you very seldom find two from the same deer i mean i have a hundred antlers and probably six of them are matching sets uh but it's, it's exciting if you do find both sides but it's a good way of uh, to get out there. All right. So, Bo, you talked a lot about like shed hunting stuff like that. Yes. Uh, does that help pattern deer for the fall, or is that just kind of uh, you know just something to kind of do? Well, it is more inventory is the terminology yeah. I like to use. It, it's definitely something to do. It's warmer weather. It's good to get out of the house. It's good to get the fresh air. It's good to get the vitamin D when the sun's out. It's relaxing. It's good exercise. But as far as patterning, no, I really don't think so. Because the deer in October when season opens or November when the rut's in or December when, it, you know, it's post rut you know 
the shed antlers you're finding the deer are dropping late january throughout february and early march that's food source they're they're going where the calories are most they're going there where the calories are at that they can absorb whether it's a cut cornfield uh so old uh cut soybean field uh or primarily where we're at uh the honeysuckle, uh, leftover acorns, uh, browse, uh, new logging jobs have a lot of tops, uh, you know, where the deer, uh, you know, love to eat that as well. And the new browse coming up from that. So you're going to find your antlers where the, where the deer are eating this time of year, you know, where they're eating in February when they drop their antlers, they don't mean nothing from where they're going to be in October or November means a different food source or different activity for the deer. What it's going to tell you is this deer is in the area. Uh, He's comfortable in this area. It's part of his home range. And this is where he was eating. means that's the main, their main focus this time of year is food, 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 food. Uh, Mm -hmm. the only other things they rely on is survival and sex. So, I mean, that's the deer's, I mean, that's, that's all it is for a deer, but they're concentrating this time of year is primarily on food. So that's where you're going to find your antlers, but it's not really going to help you in the fall outside of knowing that deer is in the area. And, Mm -hmm. but that's a good thing to know because, Hey, if you find a nice uh, side of an antler and I can show you in the years past where I found, you know, a, a, a fantastic right side of a four point four on one side, which is an eight point deer that I figured the deer is three and a half when I found the shed antler from it. Had a lot of pictures of them that fall. Had a lot of pictures of the deer, you know, found the antler and actually I found that antler in April several years back and got a lot of pictures of this deer in the same general area in the following year. And October 18th of that year, I was able to harvest the deer uh, probably 300 yards from where I found the shed, but that shed had nothing to do with where the deer was at at the time. But it was finding the shed uh knowing the deer is in the area uh confirming that with the, the pictures from the year prior seeing finding the shed to say hey this is the deer from the pictures from last fall getting new pictures of the deer the following year the same year per se and knowing the, deer in the area but the area is I mean, it's a, it's a widespread area. I mean, I had pictures from the deer six, eight, nine hundred yards apart from different cameras, but you know he's in the area. But from what you find for a shed antler, you really can't pattern the deer. As I found the shed, I can put a stand twenty yards where the deer dropped the shed. Now that's that's unrealistic. But you know he's in the area, and uh, for that year, it, it worked out fantastic. You know, the shed was a matching. I mean, to a T exactly to what the deer was when I shot it the following fall, uh, eight point 
netted 139 in an eighth. So it was fantastic. Four and a half year old buck for Ohio. Very, very happy with him, but had a lot to do with finding his sheds, a whole lot of inventory of trail cameras, and just paying attention to what was out there to say, hey, I'll pass up the two and a half year old, 100 inch, 110 inch deer, knowing that there's 140s running around. And it was a smart decision that he was a fantastic one of my better diggers that I've ever got. So. Okay. So my next question is a hypothetical for you. Okay. So for say I go out and buy a piece of property right now yep. and I want to figure it out and I want to go hunting on it this fall. Yes. Where do I start? Oh, the main a number one place to start on something like this is when you have a new access to property, whether you, something you just bought or something that a friend of yours have given you permission to, or you, maybe you knocked on a door and you got permission from a landowner. But the a number one thing to do on a new piece of property, in my opinion, is walk the property lines. A number first thing to do. It gives you an idea of your boundaries but it primarily gives you the, an idea of what the neighbors are doing is a neighbor is a neighbor uh neighboring property a, a cornfield is it a clear cut which would be like a bedding area is it a swamp any agriculture at all and is the neighbors i mean are they active hunters i mean is the tree stands on line trees, the tree stands in the back corner. Uh, what are the neighbors doing, which is A number one. So in my opinion, so you know if they have food sources on the property lines, you know whether they're hunting on the, actively hunting the lines with the tree stands. But you, you know, you give a good inventory of what's going on from your neighbors so you can adjust accordingly. Because you don't want to say, hey, this looks like a great area. It's approaching your property line, but 40 yards away, the neighbor has a tree stand. Well, it's probably not a great area to put your own tree stand, you know, and and try to, like, hunt the same exact areas what the neighbor's doing. It's better off to, like, go back in, find a better area that doesn't have the, uh, you, you know, the disturbance from the, what the neighbor's got going on. You know, I'm never one to like to hunt a property line tree. A lot, a lot of people do it. It sort of aggravates me when you like you hunt a line tree and there's a tree stand and a property line tree. I mean, that really aggravates me. But a lot of people do it. Unfortunately, I like to keep my stands back off the property lines. But uh, you know, just to have mutual respect for the adjoining landowner. But uh, a number one is to see what the neighbors are doing. So if I were to say, go get my hunting license and take all my courses, where do I start? Say I'm going to go out with Nolan, okay, out to the property out there. Where do I start? Because we've talked about this at the beginning. Nolan can't hit a deer. So (laughs) where do I start? Well, I would say the gun range. Oh, listen, I, I'll tell you that. So you don't have the same uh, 
potential downfalls as other people you may or may not know. I, I'll tell you that is I, I've been to the range several times and that's on point. So that's not an issue. So all right. Well we not, we knocked out number one right there. Choose your emotion. As in you hear the terminology buck fever. Well, all right. Buck fever is you see a deer you want to harvest. That doesn't mean it's a giant 30-point buck. It could be a doe fawn. It doesn't matter. Buck fever has nothing to do with size of the deer. It's everything to do with your wanting to harvest slash kill the deer. Sorry. Don't want to get too terminology with it. But uh, So what you got to do is control your emotion as in that's a deer I want to shoot. And a lot of times, even my 30 years, 40 years in hunting, my heart races when it's a deer I want to harvest, whether it's a 150-inch ton point or whether it's a year-and-a-half-old uh, doe, my heart gets racing. But the thing is, I'm able to, what I can do is control that really quickly, as in, like, this is what I'm here for. Calm your ass down. You know, you can make the shot. Just breathe relax boom dead you know works out pretty good but that's number two but the number three thing what you might want to do taylor is just learn learn your prey your prey in this instance would be a white-tailed deer do everything you can whether it's reading videos talking with people you know time in the woods time in the field is learning your prey learning everything you possibly can about it what are their habitats what are they why are they in this part of the woods in january but not in march why are they there in march but not july why are they in july but not september and all that really revolves around is pressure from hunters and primarily food source deer are slaves to their stomachs and they'll go anywhere throughout their range their home range for the the best food at that time period of the year whether it's apples acorns corn soybeans browse honeysuckle etc 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 they eat over 500 some odd different types of vegetation so they eat anything sounds like deer and i have a lot in common oh yes (laughs) but the name learn as much as you can about what you are going after, whether that's a gray squirrel, cottontail rabbit, ringneck pheasant, ruffed grouse, pronghorn, moose, whatever. Learn as much as you can about that from whatever source you can find that knowledge. Books, videos, people, 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 people. More than happy to take anybody that has is clueless to take them out there, you ask the right person, they'll teach you more than you can ever learn from anything else. Therefore, if you have any interest, we're good, man. Absolutely. Well, like I said, hopefully we'll have better. I would, I did actually, to, to be honest, I've only been out hunting once and no one actually took me out earlier, well, later last year. And yep. we saw some birds, saw a squirrel. It was, it was a foggy, foggy day. It was, it was very foggy. I do remember the episode. Yeah, it was it was very foggy. And like I like I said then, and I'll say it again, I went in with no expectations. I didn't think we'd see anything. It was anything. If we saw something fantastic, 
the squirrel was eyeing us down. But other than that, there was really nothing. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I would, yeah, we didn't see anything, but like, I'm not against, against that. I told Nolan already, we're going to try again. We're going to do this. And so. I, I wish you lots of luck with it, but the main thing with hunting, do not ever, ever, ever concentrate on the kill. No. Concentrate on your time when you're out in the woods enjoying Mother Nature. I mean, I've seen, I mean, I, uh, you know, the, the things you see, you see out there when you really pay attention, whether it's owls hitting a squirrel for dinner, whether it's a hawk hitting a cottontail rabbit because it's hungry. Whether it's deer mating, whether it's birds mating, whether it's squirrels mating, I mean the stuff you see out in, the, in in nature when you just stop and really pay attention is amazing. You you would love the experience. It doesn't matter if you see it and shoot a ten point buck or a hundred pound doe. It's irrelevant because you, you're there just to enjoy and reserve Mother Nature. That's a number one thing for me. No, absolutely. And it can get really comical if you really pay attention, I'm telling you. Because whether it's a couple little what I call quote unquote tweety birds or little tiny red squirrels running around or chipmunks chasing one another or squirrels going at it twenty feet from your face. I mean it's I've seen it all. I mean it's it's pretty comical. I remember when we were out there there was just mentioned to it there was birds like just flying over and i'm like oh the fog's gonna lift this is great yeah no those birds came and went and you know they were doing their tweety bird thing going back and forth to each other but just came and went and like oh all right i guess guess we'll wait again and you know but what is no it? i just squirrel like what 10 feet from us maybe dude, i if if we could have <laughs> it was right there if, if we could have put our hand out like them. yeah like like I thought we could add some squirrel for dinner, but you know, you had other ideas. You didn't want to put your bow up, but that's, that's fine. It's uh, whatever. Hey, mushroom sauce baked in the oven, dude. Fantastic. I'll share the recipe if you ever want it. Squirrel some fine eating friend. Fine, fine. eating. I got to come across some squirrel first, then I'll get the recipe. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you have no, Hey, I started out the first, the first wild animal I ever harvested was a, a gray squirrel. So, Hey, you got to start somewhere. Then <laughs> we ate it. It was quite, very, quite very tasty. So about going back to scouting, do you ever scout? Like, I guess it'd be scouting from uh, like your couch where you look at topographic maps or, you know, look at the terrain that way. Do you ever do that kind of stuff? It's, uh, in the past, I used uh, topographical maps, but now everything is like, uh, you can do it all online. There's mm-hmm. a gazillion different uh, apps you can uh, download or find, or like even like Google Earth. Uh, they're not really up to date. A lot of their stuff is, you know, several years back when you look at the pictures. But there's a lot of sources online to do a lot of aerials. And trust me, I, I've done, I've been doing aerials since I got computer. I'll say literate, but I'm really computer illiterate per se. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I've been looking like, like Google Earth for 10, 15 years. And basically uh, enhance it, 
and try to get a closer idea of what's going on. What you're looking for is, uh, you know, topographical, you know, the, the, the elevation differences. You're looking at, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff you can look at is like, hey, is this evergreen trees? Is this pine, spruce, fir, whatever? Or is it hardwoods? Is this a open field? Is it a brush field? Is it a clear cut? And a lot of what you're looking at that aspect of is you're looking for pinch points in terrain because like deer in particular, are very like edge effect animals as in like, like they don't really want open timber, but they don't mind it. They don't want an open field, but they don't mind it. What they want is that right at the edge of that or mm-hmm. primarily like an edge of a, a clear cut or an edge of a thicket whether it's brush pricker bushes or whatever near edge effect animals so mm-hmm. on a on a map topographical map or primarily what you can find online like a aerial view you get to really find them edges of the of the uh, train and the edges of the uh, what's growing there so then you go in this time of year to say, Hey, does it look as good as what it did on the computer? And they're Mm -hmm. looking for rubs, scrapes, trails, et cetera, and potential spots to put a tree stand. Then you're like, bam, there it is. It's like, this is an edge effect from a clear cut. Uh, You've, you've hunted one of my stands in Southern Ohio. You've seen your biggest deer. I think you said you ever seen in your life. But it was due to something like that. It was like the edge of a clear cut, a little bit of open timber, maybe a hundred yards wide, another clear cut. It's a, just a general travel corridor, which I've done through right. scout. I've looked at that spot a hundred times on, on the computer and knowing the train and it's like, it's, it's a natural funnel area. You put the sand in the great area and you hope for the best. I mean, I've shot some nice deer out of that stand. You've seen some nice deer. A lot of people missed nice deer, seen nice deer. But it has a lot to do with the off-season scouting. Uh, you know, I put that stand there right after they did the clear cut in the area. These are really pinched the deer to funnel through that particular area. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've got, you know, a couple of really solid bucks out of that stand and, and numerous does to go with it and could have shot. I mean, I passed up here, probably could should shot because just a great area, but it has a lot to, that stand placement was all based on what I've seen through the uh, Google Earth, uh, topographical maps, aerial photos. And everything else ahead of my disposal at that time. I mean, that stand's been there for 10 years. I mean, I was doing this 15 years ago. I mean, it wasn't like a, a new technology. It's just like that's how that stand came to be. And it's still one of the most productive mm-hmm. stands we have. So, right. Just a great area for it. What, um, what do you use to hunt? Like, what, what rifle, what, what gun? Like, what do you use? Was that for Owen or for me? For you. For you. Uh, 
when I first got my real, my first real job in 93, tells you my age, I guess. We weren't uh, born yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was, I was in December. Yeah, that doesn't yeah, count because I'm sure it wasn't December 1st he got his first job. <laughs> no, it, it was uh, it's the 7th, but no, I got my first real job uh, out of college in uh, May of 93. And at the time period, we always hunted, uh, you know, growing up, we hunted multiple states. But Pennsylvania being eight miles where I grew up. My dad had uh, friends down there, had a lot, a lot of private land access to hunt uh, deer on. But, uh, you know, the primarily thing is Pennsylvania had to be like a manual operated gun. It had to be a bolt action, a pump, a lever action, a single shot. You could not use a semi-automatic. So I'm going for a bolt action gun because I've uh, hunted bolts in the past. But uh, a college buddy of mine really got me interested in a, a round, a 280 Remington is a round, very flat, very fast, very phenomenal round. I mean, I would recommend it today to anybody, and I've had this round for 30 years. But, you know, a lot of people like the 270, the 30, three, uh 308, 30-06, which are all great rounds, but I, I I did a little research after my friend introduced me to the 280. I'm like, it's not as popular, but it's a little faster. It's a little fat, little faster, little flatter shooting. And uh, so, you know, I, I, I had my caliber figured out. So when I went to the gun store, I'm like, I'm really looking for something in a 280 with a bolt action. And the guy gave me a Ruger M77, still had the walnut stack, black blue barrel, uh, put a Redfield scope on it. This is 93. I think I may have, after I originally sighted it in 30 years ago, I think I might have adjusted the scope two or three clicks in 30 years. Damn. Solid, solid gun. I've killed a caribou i've killed a moose with it i've killed uh elk with it pronghorn mule deer whitetail phenomenal phenomenal round and it's the gun i shot you know my my uh nice deer i shot in new york this year on opening day same deer same round uh that deer in particular i only had a very small shooting opening from about 125 yards away through the woods but I had a decent rest standing leaning against the tree. And I'm like, I think I can make the shot. The deer didn't go 50, 60 yards. It was piled up dead. Hit it right in the boiler room, right where I was aiming. Phenomenal, phenomenal round. Great gun, great accuracy, great scope. But it's like, I'm not the guy that says, oh, a new round comes out, a new gun comes out. I got to go. I got to. No, that's not me. I'm like, I mean, need to buy another rifle in my life because i'm so tickled with that one even though it's a 30 year old 30 30 year old uh technology now that's it i'm done you know what i mean that good around if it ain't broke don't fix it yeah that's 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 me because you know i'll 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 sight it in twice a year two shots they'll generally touch each other from 100 yards i'm like good to go you know (laughs) it once or twice in gun season good and then clean it up put it back on the shelf do it over again so works out good and nolan what do you what do you use 
Uh, for rifle, 30-6 is the round that I use. I like it. It really packs a punch. Uh, pretty much mine was actually hand-me-down. So I'm actually left-handed. So it was funny because originally in Ohio, I used to go there. The rule of Ohio is if you can pass your hunter safety course, you can go out and go hunting. But you have to use shotgun. So a lot of, you know, my grandparents growing up, they had a bunch of guns and it'd always be, try this one out, try this one out, try this one out. But they'd all be right-handed and they'd eject the shell right in front of your face. Yeah. So I ended up getting, my dad ended up being left-handed. So I got his hand-me-down with a 30 at six. And that works out really nice. I, I really enjoy the gun. But uh, as far as shotgun goes, I have a 12 gauge that actually ejects from the bottom. Okay. Uh, pr- which is an ambidextrous gun. And that thing I've actually taken out like uh, duck hunting. And I've gotten co- quite a few ducks with it too. Like on top of just deer hunting with it. It's pretty much uh, a good universal gun. I really can't complain. And then obviously I have my uh, my Matthews bow, which I don't know, I'm a big big fan of bow hunting. I think that just the all around season of it, everything bow hunting, I'd say is probably one of my favorites. No, no, that's good. I um I have only actually owned one gun, and I actually got sold it um, when I moved in with the girlfriend um, because. You know, two little kids. I didn't have a gun safe. Didn't have anything. I just thought it wasn't a good idea to have in the house. So, and I just had a um, bold action five five six. That's all I had. So, the goal is to get another one. Harry, thank you for coming on and talking to us today about uh, scouting, especially whitetail. Well, I appreciate you having me on the show, Sturgeon Outdoor Media. It's, uh, enjoyed what you guys have been doing so far. Uh, always nice to share what I, uh, you know, know or think I know or whatever else on the on the topic. But uh, great to be on the show. Certainly appreciate you guys. Good luck with you. Oh yeah, thank you for being. Uh, you know, thank you for being with us. It's uh, it's always great to have a guest on. Great, and certainly enjoyed it. Right. Don't forget well, to, hey, 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 hey. Oh, well, well. I almost jumped the gun. <laughs> yeah, you did. Um, don't forget to check out our social media pages, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. And um, yeah, make sure you subscribe to all of them. All right. I'm Serge Outdoors. Peace, Peace out.